Parsha begins. Atem nitzavim hayoyim kulchem lefnei Hashem alekechem. Atem nitzavim hayoyim. Chazal say that whenever you find the lotion of hayoyim, it's a reference to Rosh Hashanah. Rabbi Yosef Chaim Zonnefeld, Zechel Tzadik Levrocha, says you take the gematria of Rosh Hashanah, which is 861, is the same gematria as Lumishpotecha Omdu Hayoim Ki Akoyel Avodecha. You can check it out, I did already, and it works. So Lumishpotecha Omdu Hayoim Ki Akoyel Avodecha is the same gematria as Rosh Hashanah. So Hayoim, we're talking about Rosh Hashanah. A Barzei, we have to understand what is the, the way we are judged on Rosh Hashanah. How are we judged on Rosh Hashanah? So there's a Gemara in Mesechtis Rosh Hashanah. The Gemara says, The Rosh Hashanah kalboi ha'olam oivim lefon of kivnei meroin. On Rosh Hashanah, everybody passes before Hakadosh Baruch Hu like bnei meroin. So the Gemara asks, "My kibnei meroin, what does it mean, kibnei meroin? What is that?" So hocha tergimu kibnei amrona. In Bavel, they explain that it means like sheep. When sheep are counted by the shepherd, they come out of the corral one at a time. Rishlokish says that we are judged like the people who went to a cliff that was called base moroin or base choroin. And the cliff was so narrow that only one person could walk there at a time. So there's a message there about the Mishpat as well. And the last man, the Yomar, like the soldiers in the army of David HaMelech. So there are three descriptions of the way we're judged on Rosh Hashanah. So let's understand what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to be expecting from us and how we're going to be judged so we can maybe think about it and get ready a little bit for Rosh Hashanah. So the first idea is B'nai Amrona. 
That means we are the sheep and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the shepherd. In other words, we have to look at ourselves as HaKadosh Baruch Hu's children and HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes care of us. And just like every sheep is counted individually, because everyone is Choshev, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, every single year this Choshev and HaKadosh Baruch Hu cares about us. Just like, for example, let's say a father were to come to the yeshiva to check up on how his son is learning. So he comes into the base medrash in the middle of Seder, and he's looking for his yankala, and he can't find him. So he says, um, did anybody see yankala ungestopt? Where is he? So somebody finally says, oh, yankala, he's probably in the kitchen. He said, what's he doing in the kitchen? It's the middle of Seder. Oh, he's probably in the refrigerator. Well, what's he doing in the refrigerator? He likes to chill. He said, well, it's my son. He's supposed to be learning. So you tell him, don't worry. There's another 70 bachim learning. Nishkeferlech of one bachim is missing. He said, but that bachim is my son. It's my yankala. To HaKadosh Baruch Hu, every single one of us individually is his little yankala. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu cares about us and loves us like we are his only child. And so HaKadosh Baruch Hu judges us on Rosh Hashanah. How do we relate to that relationship that we have with HaKadosh Baruch Hu? But you have to know that you're a Kodesh Baruch's child. The Kalina Rebbe once was asked, what's the worst sin that a Yid could do? He said, the worst thing a Yid can do is to forget that he's a Kodesh Baruch's child. Never forget who you are, how great you are, your royalty, you're a prince, you're a child of a Kodesh Baruch That's one Nakuda. And you have to know what royalty means. What it means to be royal and regal and a prince, a child of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. may have told you this once before, but it's good to think about it. Many years ago, there was a prime minister in England by the name of Barbara Thatcher. She was once invited to Buckingham Palace for a state dinner. Buckingham Palace is where Queen Elizabeth lives. So they had a fancy dinner for Stetzach. And the worst thing that could happen actually happened. Margaret Thatcher and Queen Elizabeth were wearing the exact same dress. Now in yeshiva, if you wear a white shirt and black pants and the next guy's wearing a white shirt and black pants, it's not the end of the world. But when two women wear the same dress, it's, you know, it's kind of a calamity. So Barbara Thatcher writes a letter to Queen Elizabeth apologizing for this terrible thing. And she gets a letter back from the queen, or from the queen's secretary, the queen never notices what other people are wearing. 
when you're royalty, you don't judge yourself by other people. You are the standard. She doesn't care what other people are wearing. She gets in his I am the queen. The yeshiva boy has to know you're a prince. And it doesn't make a difference what's going on in the belt. It's not your issue. Because you are royalty. You're a child of HaKadosh Baruch. So that's one Nakuta. The other thing was Milas Kebechoroin. There's only one person that can stand there at a time. You have to look at yourself as there's nobody else in the world but me. There's nobody else that matters. It's my Achrayas. Bishvili Nivroha Oilam. The world was created for me. Now the fools think that what does it mean the world was created for me? Everything is mine. The road is all mine. Now I want you to know we all actually think that way. I'm mean, thinking to myself, I'm driving to Yeshiva. And there's this terrible light on Old Court that if you don't make that light, you're stuck there forever. So you go and you come around the bend and the light is green. And you know if you floor it, you'll make the light. But in front of you, there's your standard <coughs> from Parkite's car that has three hubcaps and a sign in the back, be patient, student driver. And you're thinking to yourself, what is she doing here? Driving a parking lot if you're a student driver. Why do you have to make me late for yeshiva? What are you doing on my road? But it's not your road. But we somehow think, Bishvili Niver Oilam, it's all mine. But that's not Pshat. Pshat Bishvili Niver Oilam is it's my world, take care of it. It's your Achrayas. Zakhtar Rambam, if you do one mitzvah, you have to look at it like you are taking the whole world and donning them lakab zechus. You have to look at the world if it's 50-50. And my mitzvah will tilt the scales. And chas v'shol, my Aveira will do the same thing. It's my achrayis. And the same way it's my achrayis, I can bring Mashiach. You never know, you can do one mitzvah that was hard. You were challenged and you fought and you did the mitzvah or you fought and you did not do the Avera and in Shemayim there's a major tumult. They say he brought Mashiach. You never know. You never know who and when and why and how Mashiach will come. But it can be from any one of you doing something that you reached beyond yourself and you said, it's my Achrayis. Why isn't Mashiach here yet? Why are there Tzorahs? I have to take Achrayis. That's Milas Ben Chorim. And then there's the Chayoloi Shel Beis Soldiers going out to war. Every soldier has his own mission. 
Every soldier is given a point. You have to go there, you have to go here. You're in the Air Force, you're in the Army, you're in the Navy, you know, whatever it is, you're a cook. Whatever your job is, you have a mission. Every Yid has a mission. And every one of us has an achrayis to carry out that mission. We say by Zechroinus, Maisa Ishuf Kudosai. Kodesh is evaluating what are your maisim and did you fulfill the appointment that you were given? You had to do this, you had to do that. Did you do it? Maybe some of you had to learn last year whatever 25 blot of, of the Masechta we learned, of Baba Kama. And maybe some of you were supposed to finish the Masechta. And that was your mission. If you did it, Gavaldik, and if you didn't do it, Akash Boy said, you didn't do what you were supposed to do. Yishtelzachfort, there was a Yid in Gateshead. His name was David Ryan. He was a Talmud of the Chafetz Chaim. He wasn't a brilliant Talmud Chacham, he learned Chumash, Mishnayis. But as a Talmud of the Chafetz Chaim, he never spoke Lashon Hara. He spoke in half sentences to avoid speaking Lashon Hara. And he's living in a town called Gateshead, and he calls the Chafetz Chaim, he writes him a letter, and he says, I'm living here in the city, there's no yeshiva. Send me a Rosh Yeshiva. So the Chafetz Chaim sent him a year to be a Rosh Yeshiva. And then he went and he brought Rav Dessler to be a Rosh Koilul. And then he started a girls' school. And today, Gateshead is a major, major yeshiva in the world. And if he would have come to Shemayim, and the Rebbe would have said, No! He said, What do you want? I was a shaykhit. I was a tzaddik. I didn't talk Lush and Hara. I learned. I did what I could. He would have said, But where's Gateshead Yeshiva? You didn't fulfill your mission. Shtelzel saw Sarah Shnira would have come to Shemayim. A tzaddikis. Never spoke Lush and Hara. Davin three times a day. She was a seamstress. She did her work. Benemonis. And Rabbi would have said, Where is Beis Yaakov? Where's Beis Yaakov of Baltimore, a borough park, a flatbush of Lakewood? Where's the Beis Yaakov movement? We have a mission in this world. And every one of us has an achrayis to see to that he fulfills that mission. But then the Gemara says, they're all judged in one shot. So the Shail is, maybe it means that Kodesh Baruch can judge so quickly that he just looks at everybody and everything happens immediately. And I think that perhaps the shot is that Avada each year is judged by Zunder separately, but at the same time, Kodesh Baruch looks at us and says, how are you as far as being involved with other people? What are you doing for the tzibur? What are you doing for another yid? There was a yid, his name was Rabyankov. 
I don't remember his last name. He was a chassid of the stolen Rebbe. He was very wealthy. He once went to the stolen Rebbe, he asked the Rebbe for a bracha that he should have a richus yomim and continue to have the money that he had. So the stolen Rebbe said, Rabbi Yankov, tell me something. How did you get rich? So he said, I'll tell you the truth. When I was a teenager, it was a very early, cold winter. Sukkis came a stickle late. By that time, the, the ground was frozen. And people could not put up a sukkah so easily. And the Rebbe didn't have a sukkah. So I felt, how could the Rebbe not have a sukkah? So I spent the whole day Arab sukkahs hacking out the ground, banging through the ice, till I had a frame for a sukkah. I brought out the boards. I put the boards up. I nailed them together. I put up the schach. And a few hours before Yondav, I called the Rebbe to come outside, and he saw he had a sukkah for sukkahs. He was so excited. He said to me, Rianko, I want to give you something. I'll give you a choice. You can have a place next to me in Gan Eden, or I can give you money, and you can be rich. So Yankel said, I took the money. And the stolen Rebbe said, Yankel, you took the money? The Zayda told you you can have a place next to him in Gan Eden, and you took the money? He said, Rebbe, let me explain. I said to myself, if I take a place next to the Rebbe, that's good for me. But it's not doing anything for anybody else. But if I'm rich, if you give me money, I will use it to help Yidin throughout my life. And he says, Rebbe, I want you to know, I use my money for Anim and Yesoimim and Almonis and Yeshivas and Moistus Atoira. That's what I do with my money. And I assume this Rabbi Yankov ended up next to the stolen Rebbe anyway. But he understood. What are you doing here? What's your mission? What's your purpose? And whatever it is, don't forget that you have to help other Yidin as well. Every person has to be able to worry about the next Yid. To care about the next Yid. If you want Takadish Borchu to treat you like a father. I told you many times the Maisa with this. A Yid lived in the Shtetl and the Alta Shtetl in Poland. And people were poor, it was very difficult. So we heard that in America the streets are paved with gold. So he borrowed money, he got on a boat, he said goodbye to his family. I'm going to America to strike it rich. And he went to America. And he worked very hard. He borrowed money, bought himself a pushcart on the Lower East Side. And slowly but surely, he built up his business. He was able to buy a second pushcart, then a third pushcart. Then he bought a store. Eventually, he bought another store. Then he bought a third store. Eventually his store expanded, he went into more businesses, he went into import, export, Allah and he became a multi-millionaire. It's finally he's running businesses, he's got who knows what, he's a whole corporation. 
He's got an office on Fifth Avenue. His mamish. He changed his name from Moish to Maurice. He's now American. Yossel, in the meantime, his brother is in the, the shtetl in Poland. And he wants it, he has to marry off his daughter. And he doesn't have two pennies to his name. So he hears that uh, Moish is doing well in America. Evshin Moish will give him some money. So he borrows money. He takes a boat. He goes to America. He comes to Moish's office. Goes up to the 34th floor. He walks because he never heard of an elevator. So he comes to Moish's office. He says to the secretary, Can I read with Moish? She says, What? He says, I want to, to talk to Moish. She says, Who's Moish? And so uh, she figures out that Moish is really Maurice. And he says, I'm his brother, his brother. So she goes and he says, uh, Maurice, there's a, a guy over here who says he's your brother, Yossel. He says, tell him to get lost. So he goes out and says to him, get lost. So he says, I'm already lost. Where should I go? Where, where should I? She says, he says, I'm his brother. Tell him it's his brother, Yossel. She goes back in, Maurice. He's, he's not leaving. He says, tell him if he doesn't leave, I'll call the police. So she finally gets him. He leaves. to Brochen. He went to his brother. His brother wouldn't even look at him. He goes back to Europe. A few years later, Moish gets a telegram. Father is on his deathbed. If you want to see him, you have to come quick. So Moish drops everything. He gets passage on the Queen Elizabeth and takes the boat across the ocean and he gets to, he gets to, to Poland and he takes a taxi, he comes running into his father's house. It's me, it's me, Maurice, I mean Moish, it's me, Moish. Tati, look at me, talk to me. And his father refuses to look at him. Faces turned to the wall, he will not look at his son. He says, Tati, it's me, it's Moish, please look at me, talk to me. And finally the father turns to him and he says, if Yossel is not your brother, then I can't be your father. If we cannot look at each other as brothers, then the Rabbi Nisha might not want to look at us like a father. We have to worry about each other. And that's part of the din of Rosh Hashan. So how do we do it? How do we prepare ourselves? How do we take ourselves from where we are and make ourselves great people. To pull ourselves together in a few days and tell ourselves I can be better, I am better, I'm royalty, I have an achrayis. How do we do that? So the Yemen says there's a shaila. We said this this morning, we're going to say it every morning when we say slichas. <coughs> We say, "Aneinu kishonisli Avram Avinu b'Haram Maria." Aneinu kishonisli Yitzchok b'Akeda. Aneinu kishonisli lechanani mishol b'Azari b'Kipshon Aish. Aneinu kishonisli Daniel b'Goyvu Aroyos. So wait a second. You're saying, "Akudish Baruchu, answer us like you answered Avram." Who do we think we are? Avram Avinu had himself thrown into a Kipshon Aish. Are you ready to do that? Hanani Mishol Bazari went to the valley knowing that they're not going to bow down to a statue and they're going to be thrown into a fire and they said we're going to do it anyway. And so we say to Hashem, listen, Ramosham, answer us just like Hanani Mishol Bazari. Do we have a right to say that? 
You put yourself on the same pedestal as Avraham Avinu? We're ready to do an Akeda? The answer is yes. Every single one of you has a piece of Avram or Vinu within you. You're not just who you think you are. Your DNA is Avram Avinu, Yitzchok Avinu, Yaakov Avinu, Moshe Rabbeinu, Hanani Mishol Vazariu. It's all within you. It's part of your atzmias. It's part of your pnimias. That is what Kalal Yisrael is. We are all great people and we carry within ourselves the DNA of our Obvious HaKedoshim. And in every single year there's a piece of Avram, Yitzchok, and Yaakov, etc. We are great people. And so in the parsha it says later on that doing tshuva b'ficha u'bilvavcha la'asoysoy is with your mouth and your heart to do it. That's not so easy. You know what far it is from your brain to your heart? It's a greater distance from your brain to your heart than from here to Africa. For something that's in your brain to penetrate your heart, it's not just a simple flight on Southwest. Zokrab Chatzka Levenstein, no. Beficha ubilvavcha la soisoi. If you say it, and you say it, and you say it over and over and over again, Rabbi Nishaloylam, I want to be your child. And you daven in Rosh Hashanah, you starve to Zayim. And when you say Shmoyne Esra, you mean it, and you think about what you're saying. Then Beficha, you say it, and it'll penetrate your heart, because in your heart is a shtick of Ramavinu. And just say the words. Talk Takodesh Borcha. And you will bring out from within yourself the most beautiful person you can imagine that you could become. And it's all there. Just remove the schmutz that's encrusting the beauty of your neshama. And we all try to do that. And you will succeed. You just have to ask yourself one question. There was a mice in one of the yeshivas in Eretz Yisrael. I don't know which yeshiva, but the story is there was a bocher there. It was a moiradika, unbelievable masmid. They said about him, he's all to become the next Godel Hadoyer. He didn't stop learning for a second. When he eat, he would be sitting with a safer. There was nothing he didn't stop learning. Yoimum Volaylo. He maybe slept a few hours, but his asmoda was Adla Hafli. And one day he goes to the Rosh Yeshiva, he says, I have to ask the Rosh Yeshiva a question. So the Rosh Yeshiva says, This is the most Hoshiva Bokhar in the Yeshiva. He takes him into his office with Raisa Kovid. 
and the Bokhar says, before I can ask the Rosh Yeshiva my question, I have to tell the Rosh Yeshiva a little bit about my background. And he says, my parents were married, and then my mother started to find out more about Yiddishkeit. And the more she found out, the more she wanted to keep. And she went from learning to lighting candles on Shabbos to keeping kosher. And my father said, Adkan, it's either Yiddishkeit or me. You make the choice. And my mother decided to leave her husband so she can blibe an Erlucha Yiddish Efroi. And she took me and raised me as a Ben Torah. And she said to me, she gave up everything to live as a Yid. She gave up her happiness in marriage. All she wants is that I should be a Ben Torah. I was doing well in Yeshiva and the Rosh Yeshiva, the Rebbe called up my mother and said, you should send your son to Eretz Yisrael. He has so much potential. For my mother, sending her son away was sending away everything she had in the world. But for me to steig in learning, she was moister nefesh and she sent me away. And she said to me, all I want is you should learn and learn and give me the nachas that you're learning. Tell you that's the only thing that matters. So my mother was alone and I was learning and she didn't want me to come home to be with her because she didn't want me to stop learning. And then one day my mother found out she had cancer. When I found out, I said, Mama, let me come home and be with you. And she said, no, the most important thing to me is that you're learning. And then I called her later, and she was taking chemo. I said, Mama, let me come back and be with you when you're taking the therapy. She said, no, the most important thing is that you're learning. And then the day came, they told her there's nothing they can do. She just has a few more weeks to live. And I called my mother, I said, Mama, let me come home and spend the last few weeks of your life with you. She said, no, I want you to stay and learn. And so my mother was nifter without anybody around because she wanted me to just stay and learn. That's all my mother wants from me. So my question to the Rosh Yeshiva is, does the Rosh Yeshiva think that I'm doing enough for my mother? Am I doing enough? How many of us ask ourselves, am I doing enough? How many of us can do more? Can steig more? How many times do we have to ask ourselves the question, am I doing enough? That's a question for Rosh Hashanah, for Yom Kippur, and for every day of your life. Am I doing enough? So Rosh Hashanah is coming. Yom Hadin. You can bring out that great panemius within you. But ask yourself the question. Am I doing enough? And when you come up with the answer. And you can do a little bit more than do it and keep davening, and you'll come away from these days the greatest person you could be, a child of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and an enikel of Avrom, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, 
a bentaira, an erlich yid, a shining star of royalty. And you'll be zoicha through that to a good gebench to yor. Okay. It's okay. Make sure you take the right thing. Make sure they're all turned on.